Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Tes. Today's shiur is Le'ilunishmas Gilabashitz Chak Yisrael and Dov Noita Ben Chaim Shmuel. May the Neshamas have an aliyah, may the memory be a blessing. Um, the, uh, what we were discussing yesterday is the Gemara asked, does Yehud count just as a Rusin or even as Nisuyid? Remember, Yehud is when a slave, um, when, a, when a master buys an Amivriya, he can do Kiddushin, uh, him or his son, again, obviously, if they want. We'll see how, how much consent is required. If they want, they can do Kiddushin with her, and uh, then she uh, becomes a full wife. That's Yehud. Now the question, does Yehud work as Nisuyin as well? So we try to bring a proof from a Brysa, where it said, if someone sells their daughter who's an Amona to a Kohen Godel, or a Grusha to a... Or a Grusha... The daughter to a, or, a, or a Grusha, their daughter is a Grusha to a regular Kohen. Now the difficulty with saying if someone sells their daughter is, we know, according to Rabbi Akiba, once he's married off his daughter, he can't go and then sell her as a slave if the marriage ends. Remember, as long as she's a minor, she'll be returning to his home from a Rusin or from slavery. But he's not allowed to... So if he's married her off and her husband dies, she's an Amana. Um, so she got married off as 10. A few months later, tragedy happens and her husband dies. So now she goes back to her father's home. He's not allowed to sell her as a slave. So again, so how do we get this case where you have a girl who's an Amana, her father had previously married off, and being sold? So the Gomorrah wants to suggest, maybe that's our case. We're going like Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda, which is going to come up a lot in today's stuff, so I'll just mention it again. We know that at the time of Yud, the master, so him or his son are doing Yud, perform, or marrying this young girl, they don't have to give her anything. The one opinion, the standard opinion holds why? Because the money that was used to buy her counts as the case of Kitushin. And Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda, let me check, I got the right Amora. Uh, yep, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that no, it's by the fact that there's time left on her on her servitude that the money, that value is what's used to be performed to perform the Kiddushin. So basically according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, he comes up to this girl and he says, let's do Yehud and she says yes what's marrying them? It's him giving her her time back she should be a slave for another two years and he's saying, I'll wave that for that is the Kiddushin. Now, who's accepting a Kiddushin in that case? Herself, not her father. So maybe in that case, so she accepts yield, and then she dies, and then her husband dies, so now she's an almana. She's still a mana, so she goes back to her father's. Now, he's never ever done Kiddushin with her, because it was her own Kiddushin. He didn't accept Kiddushin for her, so he can now marry her off as a slave. And, the, and what we end up, once you say that, is now we have a cat. We've highlighted that Yehud is only a Rusin. Why? Because if it was Nisuyid, she would never go back to her father's jurisdiction. Again, yeah, I should have maybe mentioned that before. Oh, after a Rusin, if her husband dies or divorces her and she's still a man, she goes back to her father's jurisdiction. Or even if she's an Arab. But if she's done Nisuyid, then she never goes back to her father's rishus. So she can have a father marries off his six-year-old, uh, become uh, not only do they do a rusin, they do a kiddushin, and then her husband dies and divorces her. She doesn't return to her father's rishus. So, so that's where that was the start of the proof.
Well, that, that was the proof that we see we're making a distinction between when she receives the erusin, ayyud, compared to where her father receives the kiddushin, and where, where it's her father, that's where he can't marry her off. And we also see that yiud must only be erusin, because if it was nisuyin, then, um, then she would not, then her father would not be able to sell her because she would have left his jurisdiction. The Gemara then said, wait, but what, you're making a distinction between when we said a girl can't be sold after having, can't be sold by by her father into slavery after she's been, um, after she's had Kiddushin, we said we made a distinction between whether it's her father who does Kiddushin accepts the Kiddushin or she accepts the Kiddushin. Well then why don't we say the same thing with Nisuin? Maybe this that she doesn't return to her father's jurisdiction is where she's done Nisuin that was based on his acceptance versus where Nisuin was done based on her acceptance, Ayyud. So you wanted to use this to prove that Yud is only a Rusin because she does she reverts to her father's jurisdiction. Maybe even with Nisuin where it's triggered by her acceptance, she does go back to her father's Rishus. So the Gemara answers, and this is where we'll go from today, second last line of Yud Chesamud Beis, Hi my, how can you compare the case? Bishleima Erusin, Meirusin, Shiny, Erusin makes a difference. But whether it's her accepting it, her father, we'll explain Masim, but Elodie, Suin, Nisuin, Mi, Shani. Where do you see make, to make a distinction between different types of Nisuin? I'll read Rashi and Rashi, and then we'll do, uh, I'll toss us, explain Rashi a little bit. Um, you know, he fleshes it out, they flesh it out a bit, but it's the second last line on Yud Chesamud Beis. Rashi says, Bish like Meirusin, Shiny. It makes sense to make a distinction between the two Eirusins. Why? To Ikele Meimar, I've copied Kro, the Loyalism, the Bosak It makes sense to say the Torah is specific, is particular that it's the father who doesn't sell her after accepting her Kiddushin. But Kivain Dahani Kiddushin, love Ihu of it. Well then, since this Kiddushin Ayyud was not done by her father, Nitan Rishus Lamakra, the father still has Rishus to sell her. And then it says, Elo Nisuin Mi Shani, but you can't make this distinction by Nisuin. Kivain to Nisuin to Arisen Inu, Nafke La Gamre Mishusay. Nisuin to Arisen takes her out of her father's Rishus. So Rashi's made a distinction. He says, Eirusin, we can say that the Torah is clearly just particular, that the father didn't sell her, didn't give her in Kiddushin before marriage her, but Kiddushin, Doraisa, she's taken out of her father's rishos. Still a little bit vague, so Tosos elaborates, it's the first of the very wide lines on the bottom of the previous Amud. starts, so yes, the Ashef Perush HaKuntras Hachi. We can explain Rashi as follows. So, so the Fourth last line, fourth last line in Tosi says, It makes sense to make a distinction between a Rusin because a girl who's only done a Rusin, a young girl who's only done a Rusin, is still in her father's Rishus. For example, the Yorsha, the Tomalo, the Hoffa, the Doreo, and Bala. There are all these halachas that she's still in her father's Rishus, except Chutzmi Mechira. Except for this halacha that he's not allowed to sell her into slavery if he's already accepted Kiddushin for her. So what's the anomaly? That's what Tosin is going to point out. What's the anomaly? 
This case where she, in all halachas she's under her father's jurisdiction, except for this one that he can't sell her. After he's already accepted Kiddush. So this is a novelty. It's a unique halacha. And therefore we will limit it to its case. Etc. Um, but not where it's her Erusin. So what's how we explained it? How's Tosos explained why Erusin makes sense to make a distinction between whether it's she accepted the Erusin, the Kiddushin, or her father did? Because it's the anomaly. In most halachas, she's still under her father's rishus. So therefore, to say that he can't sell her is taking her out of his rishus. So we're going to limit that to the unique case only where the father has accepted Kiddushin. Aval Nisuin Gemurim de Mafkilola Gamrim Mishusei Nisuin Gemurim, which completely takes out of her father's Mishusei to have out of the father's Rishus, in Kain Eilachalik by Nisuin Didol and Nisuin Didai. There's no reason to distinguish between the two types of whether it's Nisuin from her father's side or Nisuin from her side. It's Nisuin we see acts as something that takes her out of her father's Rishus. So that's how Tosos is explaining it. I thought it quite, uh, makes it a lot more clear. Again, with the Erusin, we see most halachas. She is in her father's rishos. So this is the no- anomaly. This is the chidus. This is the novel point that, in this case, the father can't sell her. She's not in his rishos. So we're going to limit it to the case it's discussing. I only where the father gave her away in Kiddushin, not where she gave herself. But Nisuyin, to use Rashi's language, nafka legamri mishusei, Nisuyin, the nature of Nisuin, the na- again, maybe phrase it like this, the nature of Erusin does not necessarily take her out of her father's rishos. It's very limited in how it takes her out of his, her father's rishos. Whereas the nature of Nisuin is that it does take her out of her rishos. And therefore, if you want to come along and show me that, she should still be in her father's rishos for some halachas, you're going to have to bring a, a very strong uh, proof to that, which you don't have. Okay. Well, Rav Nachman, now top of your testimony. Aleph. Well, Rav Nachman, by Yitzchak to Amar, I feel the Ravasi, the Rabbi Yosi, the Rabbi Yehuda, Ma'os Harishonis lekidushin isnu, the Ma'am Mokim Lo. According, so how we've explained that price again. How can you have a case where the father sells his almona? Is like Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, where she, because she's the one who accepts the kidushin. In Rebbe, according to Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda. But according to Rabbi Nachman Yitzhak, who learns that Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda also holds that it's the initial money that triggers the Kiddushin, but my Mukim law, how is he going to learn the price? Again, how do you ever case, how do you ever have a case that a father married off his daughter, she's a widow, and now he wants to sell her to a Kohen Godel? Again, she's a father is not allowed to sell his daughter after he's accepted Kiddushin. So how are you going to explain this? This is not Mukim Loka Rebbe Eliezer. He's going to explain it like Rebbe Eliezer. Once the father sold her as a slave, he's never allowed to sell her as a slave again. But to sell her as a slave after having sold her, after having given away in Kiddushin, he can sell her. So this, so the price is very easy. He sold her into Kiddushin. Her husband died. She was still a katana. So now he sells her into slavery. Rashi points out, why didn't? 
why didn't um, the Gomorrah want to just start with this easy answer straight away? Why did it go through the complicated answer trying to work it out? According to Rebbe Akiva, you can say it's only a problem where the father accepted the Kiddushin, but not where she accepted the Kiddushin, and that would be a case of yield. You know, what, in a case of yield, so now he sold her into slavery, and they did yield, and then the father wants to come and say, you know, why go in that whole complicated answer to fit it in with Rebbe Akiva, when to fit it in with Rebbe Lezer is so straightforward. Just say that. No, it's Rabbi Eliezer, and you're allowed to sell a woman into slavery after the father's given away in Kiddushin. So the Gemara answers, um, Rashi explains, he says, Up until this point, we really tried hard to not learn like Rabbi Eliezer. He's a Shamuti. What is the Shamuti? Rabbi Eliezer was in Chayrim. That's the one explanation. Remember the famous story with Tanu Sharachna, they were debating whether that oven was Tahar or Tomei, and he was he refused to back down. He said it's Tahar, and all the other sages said it's Tomei. He refused to back down. He said, if I'm right, the tree will jump. If I'm right, the river will flow backwards. The walls of the base medrash will tilt. You know, all these, he, he refused to back down, so they put him in Khairim. That's the one explanation of the Shemuti. The other explanation of Shemuti is the Shammai, uh, from the language of Shammai. He's a student of Shammai, and we don't paskin like the students of Shammai. Now, interesting enough, you never see us uh, complain and uh, disregard someone because of who their Rebbe is. So, Beis Shammai, we have to remember, going back to Yavamos, the beginning of Seder, in Yavamos, the beginning of Seder Noshim, we discussed Shammai um, at length. Remember, a bus called had to come out and resolve the Machlokas between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. We see in the Gemara Brochus, um, Rebbe Tarfon, he tried, uh, Beis Shammai say, you have to say Krishna at night lying down. But you see, they'll say, no, when it says, when you're lying down, that's not how you say Shema, that's when you say Shema, at night time, at bedtime. Um, base and, uh, and therefore, Rabbi Tarfun said, I tried to say um, Kriya Shema like I was traveling, and I tried to say Kriya Shema like. So I stopped, you know, got off my horse, lay down, and then I nearly got hijacked. You don't just stop at the middle at any stop street just to say Shema. We, we know about that. Um, so they said, well, you deserved. You deserved any, you, you, you're lucky because you deserved it. So we see that we treat by Shammai quite distinct to any other opinion we reject. And it seems largely because that was splitting B'nai Israel in two. It became such a widespread uh, issue that it split B'nai, it was it was splitting B'nai Israel into two, and that um, and therefore they were extra strict with how they treated um, the, uh, the opinion of Beis Shammai. Again, interesting, important to still realize we still analyze and study Beis Shammai when we're learning Mishnah and Gemara. Um, here we see we are learning. There is a price which we try not to, but it's clearly learning like. Um, Rebbe Lazar who is Shamuti. Um, but those would be two explanations of what does it mean. Rebbe Lazar is Shamuti. Okay. Boy Reish Lakish. Mahu Shemayayad Adam Livno Katan. Can a man give, do Yehud with his young son? Don't know if that's the right English. But what it means is remember who can do Yehud on the slave? This army of Ria that the father bought? Him or his son? So does his son have to be an adult? Or can the father say, okay, I want my son who's only uh, 10 years old to do, be the one to do Yud. So, Beno Omar Rahmano, Beno Koldu, is the Pasuk says his son, which would mean, doesn't specify what age, so any age. Or Dilma, Beno Dimyudu maybe his son must be similar to the father. He says, Mahu Godal, Beno Godal. Just as the father can do Yud, but he's an adult, so too his son can only do Yud if he's an adult. So, Omar Rebbe Zaira, Rebbe Zaira says, Toshma, I'll prove it to you. He says, we have another teaching, and this is by adultery. Ish 
Protlakotan. It says a man, excluding a minor, Asher Yonif Es Ish, who commits adultery with a married woman, but Ish is the wife of a man, Pratla Aishas Katan, that excludes Aishas Katan. Our understanding says, seems to be that you can't have a woman married to a Katan, and that's why this Pasuk is discussing the penalty. Um, and that, uh, that an adulterer is put to death. So here we see that a katan, a woman can't be married to a katan. It says now, ve'i omar If you're going to tell me that a young son can do yud, you can have a woman married to a young son, to a, uh, to a mana. And therefore the, we need the pasuk to teach us the halacha, what's the punishment. So the Gemara says, no, Elamai, Einamayat. So what, you're going to say that a young a minor can't do Kiddushin? I'm like, why do you need the Pasuk to exclude it? The Pasuk comes along and says, a, a kata, a woman who's married to a katan, does not get put to death. If you never have a case of a woman who can be married to a katan, you don't need to tell me that halacha. That halacha is only relevant if you do have a woman married to a katan. Oh, well then there's an exception, she's not put to death. So tishut, so tishut, So we can answer our question that it must be that a young son can do yud. Again, a, a boy who's under bar mitzvah, he doesn't have das to ever perform kiddushin. So when are you going to have this young boy who is married to a woman that you have to exclude it from the pasuk saying that she won't be put to death for adultery? Again, so the wife of a mana who goes and commits adultery will not be put to death. When you have a case, must be yield. So we see that a, a mana can be yield. So no, no, the case could be a yavam who's nine years old who has relations with his yavamto. He is fitting to her. Just before we go ahead, remember, yibum can be done without consent, without das. We also view the beer of a nine-year-old boy as valid beer. And therefore, if a nine-year-old boy um, has beer with his Yavama, since he should, since he's, they connected through the Zika, you would just normally wait for him to grow up. Um, but the Yibum takes effect without das through beer, so they would be married. So you can have a katana married to a woman. Um, says Maudetaymi, you might have thought, you might have thought that since the Orisa, she, it's good Yibum and the beer counts, if another man commits adultery with her, it is Aishas Ish, he should be put to death. Kamash Malan, it therefore comes to teach us that no, um, um, she is not put to death. But again, we don't have an answer regarding Yud. So the Gemara asks, my Havyalos, what's the answer? Can a minor son do Yud? So Toshma coming here to Omar Rabbi Ivo, Omar Yud 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 is not done except with an adult. And there's no Yud unless it's with her consent. Or with consent. Gemara asks, um, Tarti. Why are you treating that as two halachas? It's the same halacha. Why a, a mana can't marry because he needs das? So why do you need to tell me it's two separate halachas that 
a minor can't do yud and a someone without das can't do yud. So no my time Omar, my time ain't yud ela begadol lefish ain't yud ela midas. Says no, it's explaining it. It's saying what's the reason that yud has to be done by an adult because yud has to be done with his das, with his consent. I this man. The father or his son doing yud have to do it with their dance and therefore it can't be a child. That's the explanation. The Igbo is saying another old, another explanation is man midas midas didor. What do we mean when we say it has to be done with das? That is her das. Now there's an interesting machlokes we showing him here. Um, Rashi learns ah oh, she has to consent. Just like you can't force a woman to marry, you have to say she has to agree to it. So to by yud, she has to agree to the yud. That's Rashi's explanation. Rabbeinu Tam learns, it was a Tosos earlier on in the Masechta, that no, he doesn't have to do it with her consent. All he has to do is let her know that he's doing yud, and he can go ahead and do it whether or not she consents. So it's more, it's, it's a, what? Important information is I'm doing yud. She can't argue or debate, which in a way, just from one point, I don't want to go through the tosses, but I was just thinking um, it makes sense in its own right because we're discussing a mana. So does she even have the right to consent? Um, and what would, where, what would be the kiddushin? It's through her father. When you have a girl under bas mitzvah whose father's accepting, or a nara whose father's accepting kiddushin for her, you don't need her consent, you just need the father's consent. So that would make so Rabbeinu Tam, from that aspect at least, if not a few other aspects, would make a lot of sense. Okay, that's the one. Now he says, the Tony Abaya Abaya Berei de Ribiavo, Abaya the son of Ribiavo taught, Ashelo Yo'odo, the Pasuk says, if he does not do Yud, Malamet Shetorich Le Yo'odo, that teaches us that he needs to let her know. We, we switch, we're explaining Yud as similar to Daya. Concept. When he was teaching it, he explained it. We're teaching about Kiddusha Yud. Remember, Rabbi Yosef holds it's the money that was given to her is not what is for Kiddushin. This is the Mahlok, as I mentioned at the beginning of the day. Where's the Kesev? At the beginning of the shoe, where's the Kesef Kiddushin by Yehud? So Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehud holds, it's not the money that was used to pay for her. It's the value of her slave work that he's waiving for her. So, um, and therefore, who's accepting the Kiddushin? The young girl. Um, the girl herself, and it has to be done with her das. Now the problem with saying this, which all the opinions, uh, uh, there's a big discussion on this, is um, we seem to be saying that for Yehud, her das, her consent is valid. We're just about, throughout the rest of the Torah, we never say that uh, her consent is valid. So let's do a few more lines and we'll come back to this uh, point. Um, says um, so, so now what we're going on is we just mentioned that according to Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, what's the kiddushin? Not the money paid to the father, not the initial money, but what he's giving her now, the value of what he's giving her now. It says, No. The first money either money uses to buy her is for kiddushin. And shiny hachad omar achmona yo However, it's different because the Torah says yo 
uh, you have to have consent. I say, even though it's the money and you think the consent comes from the father, you still need to go ahead and do yud with das. Says my rebuyosi rebuyuda. What's this point of rebuyosi rebuyuda that we've been debating? So Tatanius, we learned in Raisa, your other behafta. The pasuk connects yud and redeeming her. I remember the one option. So you have this minor girl who's supposed to serve for another few years. We'll see how later on. And the master or his son can do you and I marry her. The other option, the next best or the other option is that you do Giron Kesef. You deduct the years she's already worked and redeem her for less. But it connects them together. So sorry, she has beyond Kadei Petia. Rabbi Yosef Rebuda says that there has to be enough time left in the day to redeem her. Mikan Omar Rebiosi, it explains it. From here, Rebiosi, Rebiuda says, If there's still enough time that she could work a Shobe Pruta, Mukudeshes, then they married. The Im love, Aina Mukudeshes, they are not married. I, what does it mean you can only do Yud if you could redeem her? What would be the minimum? As we always say, what's the minimum amount to, that you can trade with, that you can do anything, affect anything with money? Is a Pruta. So, by the fact that it connects Yud to Padia, it must mean the Yud has to be done with the value of a Pruta. Now, Alma, Kosovo, Harishon, Islam, We see that Rabbi Yosef Rebuda does not hold that the initial money paid for her is for Kiddushin. Because if it was for Kiddushin, why do you need a Pruta now? Must be it's the value of her work that you. Releasing her from is what you're doing Kiddushin with. That's the standard opinion, the standard understanding of Yosef Rebuda. says, no, I feel the Kiddushin is You can even say it's the original money that is for Kiddushin. And shiny And it's just different here because the Torah says, or redeem her. I yield only works in a scenario where you could redeem her, but not that it's the, the value of her redemption. That you are giving to her as her Kesef Kiddushin. So that's the Makhluk. Is again, the, the standard opinion, or the, the first opinion, is that Rabbi Yosef Rebuda holds that it's not the, the money paid for her that is Kesef Kiddushin. It is the amount that he could redeem her for, either amount of service left on her term, and according to Abaye, uh, sorry, and according to Rabbi Nachman Bayitzchak, no, the, um, it's the it's the value. It's 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 is the the kesef kiddushin is the original money. It's just that the Torah requires you says you only works in a when when there's a possibility of redemption. Okay, Omar Rav Rav Omar Rav Nachman Rav said the name of Rav Nachman. Omer Adam Katana. If a man says to his minor daughter, Tzeiva Kabi Kedusha go and accept your kiddushin. Now what's that? So he's saying, we know that the father can accept the Kiddushin. He says, you know what, I'm not going to bother. You go. So now it's gone. You like him, go and accept the Kiddushin from him. Now with the Rebbe Yossi, the Rebbe Yehuda, we see that that's valid from Rebbe Yossi, the Rebbe Yehuda. Why love Omer Rebbe Yossi, the Rebbe Yehuda? Ma'os Harishon is love the Kiddushin. It's new. Rebbe Yossi, the Rebbe Yehuda says that it's not the original money, either the money paid for the maidservant, given to the father, that's for Kiddushin. And as long as there's a Shoveh Pruta of her work left, of time that she could work left, it is Kiddushin. So to here, there's no difference. I Just as a father by selling her, gives her the right to accept Yehud. Because again, according to Rav, the standard understanding, of Rebbe, the, you know, the general understanding of Rebbe Yosi, Rebbe Yehuda, 
the Kiddushin is that he says to her, I'm not going to make you work anymore. You still owe me at least a Shabbat Prutu worth of work. We've got uh, a day's left on the contract. That's equal to at least a Prutu. You have to, I'm using that to marry you. But who's accepting it? Her. So the father, by selling her as a slave, is giving her the rights to accept the Kiddushin. Well, so to here, the father is giving her the rights to accept the Kiddushin. Now, this troubles the Rishonim a lot. Um, similar to what I mentioned up above, but the, a katana or a katan doesn't have the das to perform a kinyan. So how can she accept the kiddushin? Granted, the, I mean, a, a katana can't even be a shaliach. A katan can't even be a shaliach. So how's this working that the father's telling her, go and accept the kiddushin? So the Rosh explains, I mean, it almost seems like you're backed into a corner and you kind of have to say the Torah is making an exception because he says you have to say that the father is able to transfer the rights to her. I, just as the Torah gives the father the rights to accept Kiddushin on his minor daughter, he's able to transfer those rights to her. As I understand it, I need to look at the Rosh again, but as I understand it, that it's almost, like I said, the Torah tells us in this case it works. But you're right, the normal rules of acquisitions and transfers and kinyanim and shlichus would not necessarily work here. Okay, there are other opinions in the Rishonim, but this also brings us to another very interesting uh, point. And that is, um, and this is how some other Rishonim want to almost bring it into validity, but you're going to run into other trouble saying this, is that when do we say a, a katan or a katana cannot affect a kinyan? That's when it's them doing the whole act. So for example, they find a lost object or something that's happened, and they're doing the kinyan. But they make the decision, in other words. When they make the decision themselves. Well, not only do they make the decision, they make the decision and it's totally up to them. Hmm. Unlike a case where an adult, what happens if you have an adult giving a child something? In that case, do we say that the child acquires it or not? Because there it's not just the child's dance at play, it's also the adult's dance at play. Many want to say in that scenario it does help. The difficulty with that is then why can't a katana say accept kiddushin in normal cases? If she if if a if a Kenyan, let's call it an assisted Kenyan works with the mana, then why can't she accept? But maybe you can, I think a simple answer is that the Torah says, no, only the father can set, accept Kiddushin. He's transferring those rights to his daughter. And, oh, generally a minor can't accept Kiddushin. So you might give our answer. I don't think everyone holds for it. But that an assisted Kenyan, a minor can perform. Where this probably becomes quite practical in, uh, in our times even, um, we just have to check if they use these same terms and stuff, but I know some of it does, definitely. You see, on Sukkot, the first day of Sukkot, you have to own your lulav. Now, you want your child, your 10-year-old son, 11-year-old son, 12-year-old son, to perform the mitzvah properly because of chiluf. So now, if you're going to lend him your lulav on the first day, well, then he's not performing the mitzvah properly because he has to own it. So you want to give it to him. So can you give something to a mana? Yes. I mean, if you learn like this, it's an assisted Kenyan. It's not just a mana taking something from Hefker, it's you giving him. So between your dance and his, let's call it partial dance or his acceptance, it is a good um, transferal. And he now owns the lulav to do, to do the mitzvah with. 
However, then you run into the next step, problem. What happens when you want it back? A katan can't give it back. So interesting, Rav Moshe Feinstein comes out. He says, if you have two sons, you have a 15-year-old and a, ten, a 10-year-old, you should rather buy your 10-year-old his own lulav, because he's going to have trouble, he can't give it back to you, and share with your 15-year-old, because he can, he has that, he can give it back to you. But that's just interesting. Uh, these things that get very interesting, the, the, the kinyanim around Katanim, as you can see, there's a lot, uh, a lot of uh, interesting discussions around it, and when it worked, again, all started with our, with our issue of how's, is she accepting her own yield, and then Robert's translating that into well, if the father can enable her to accept Kedushin through Yud, why can't the father enable her to accept Kedushin in a normal scenario? Because again, Yud is him, according to this, Yud is the father selling his daughter as a slave. He's kind of giving her permission to do Yud, that when the master comes up to her and says, you know what, you can, instead of working for the rest of the year, accept that value as your Kedushin. It's good Kedushin. That's what, that's what triggered this uh, point. Okay, have a good chat with me. Okay, you can to continue? Um, we have about 10 minutes before it gets noisy. <laughs> okay, Omar Rava, Omar Ranachman. Rava says another interesting halacha based on the teachings of Ranachman. He says, If someone marries with a milvon, with a loan, that has a mashkon, he is still married. I, I think, yeah, if a woman owes a man mar- money, or she's about to owe him money, and he forgives it as kiddushin, even where he's holding on to a mashkon. I, he, she, he lent her a thousand rand, and she gave him a watch in exchange. Now remember, he can't say the money I've given you is case of Kiddushin, because that money is gone. As soon as you hand over money for a loan, it's considered gone. But what he's wanting to say here, if I remember correctly, because remember we discussed the Kaddish B'milva, I think it might have been a Daf on Shabbos, so we didn't discuss it, but um, marrying with the loan, it's a big discussion. But if he says, oh, you now have to pay me a thousand rand, instead of paying me, I'll waive that right to collect or Kiddushin. If I remember correctly, that does work. As I said, I didn't get a chance to clarify it, but that's okay over there. And now we're saying a step further. He said, even if he has a mashkon of hers, so he's giving her even less, because he kind of, she gave, he lent her a thousand rand, she gave him a watch. So now when he waves it, he's waving even less, because he was already holding on to the equivalent of the payment. So what's he actually giving her? He's saying it's still valid. Why? Mr. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, from the teaching of Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, love Omer Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, Maos Harishonis love the Kiddushin Isnu, Ha Havohi. The original money given is not for Kiddushin. I so she, it's a Havoh. What does she owe him? She owes him another few years or days of service. So she's owing to him. Because what, uh, sorry, what's he using to marry her? Again, this point that we said, the time that she should be serving him, he says, I give that to you as Kiddushin. That's how Rabbi Yosef reviewed her. So she owes him the money. She herself is the mashkon. As long as she's in his, I don't know what the right word is, possession, she still has to work for him. So he has the mashkon. So she's a debt, that's to this man, with the mashkon. 
וכי משייה בשווה פרוטה ומייעד, and as long as there's a שווה פרוטה left and he does יוד, have a kiddushin, it is a kiddushin. So hachanam ilosna, so why should that make a difference in a regular case of kiddushin? So on the surface we see that it is giving the woman the, the debt, I waiving the debt, is a good kiddushin. Okay, now we go into this mitzvah of yud more clearly. We're all carrying on in the discussion of it. Tonu Rabbon and Kate said mitzvah yud, what is, how do you do mitzvah yud? So Omar Lov Ifnaishnaim, he says before two witnesses, he says to her before witnesses. Now interesting, the Bach adds in, at muyu edesli, behold you are muyuad to me. Others seem, the Rambam seems to hold that this isn't valid, but okay, let, let's leave that. But harayat mukudesesli, harayat muuresesli, even if it's at the end of six years, even if it's right before Shkia. So it's three minutes before she's going free. And he treats her like his... Um, then, sorry, then they married. He has to treat her like his wife and not his slave. So that's the Tanakama, that the Kiddushin kicks... That as long as she is his slave... She can do you. He can do you. Even if it's one minute. <coughs> Even if it's only one minute left on the, the clock. On the clock, it's a good yield, which again fits in well with that. What's the case of, What is the money used for kedushin in the case of yield? The money the father paid to him six years ago. That's where at the end of six years. Says, if there is still time in the day that she could do a pruta's worth of work, then they married. They're not married. Okay, fine. We, that makes sense according to how we've understood Rabbi Yosef Rabbi up to now. Now it says, Moshel, this is similar to, or we can learn this. Marry me from now, but it only kicks in in 30 days. And someone else comes and does Kiddushin in the middle. So, that, is she married to the second or the first person? So he says, she's married to the first person. Because when he gave her the ring and he said, Arad Mukudeshes, leave from now to kick in in 30 days, they're married from now. So he says, now the Gemara asks, Moshe Lamai, who's this halacha in line with? No, Rabbi Yoshi Rebuda said, it's only if there is time, only if there's a Shove Pruta. Then they are married, but if not, they are not married. I, according to Rabbi Yossi Bermuda, when's the kiddushin starting? Now, at this moment. That's why we have to check that there's a shavu pruta left on her contract. So Omar Ravacha, so, so it can't be according to Rabbi Yossi Bermuda. Omar Ravacha braider Rab Moshe Rabbonin. It's similar to the Rabbonin because Rabbonin holds the kiddushin is given when the father sells her into slavery. And it takes effect when he does yield a few years later. That's um, another boss. That's so obvious. What you coming to teach me? So he says, No, Mahu the Tamer, what might you have thought? By yield, he did not say Ma'achshav. 
So maybe you would say in a regular Kiddushin he doesn't have to say Ma'ashok. Kamashmalan is coming to teach us that in a regular Kiddushin he would have to say Ma'ashok. So again, when a man, so if a man would come up to a woman and say, here's your ring to be married after 30 days, when are they married? Yeah. No, after 30 days. Yeah, if he says from now until after 30 days. Uh, if, if I understood Rashi correctly, that's what he's saying, the Chidush is here. By yield, you don't have to say Ma'ashok, because that's automatically the money is given by the father for when they do yield. Whereas here with this... Um, Whereas by regular kiddushin it does have to be. That's understandable. Disease. That's the flip of what. Okay. Tanya Edith, There's another price which teaches. If someone sells his daughter and then he accepts kiddushin for her to another man, to a second man. He's playing a joke on his master. She's married to the second one. Divrei Rebi Yosi Rebi Yehuda. Sorry. Yeah. He's mocked. He's. Uh, He's, uh, and she's married to the second one according to Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yudah, why? Because according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yudah, when's the money given for her kiddushin, the slave? When he sells. No, 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 Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yudah. When he decides to do yud, as long as there's remaining time on the contract. Yud is isolation. You isolate yourself. No, yud is this kiddushin. If a yud is if an if a if a if a man sells his daughter to slavery, the master has an option of doing yud, which is the equivalent of marrying her, of doing kiddushin. The machlokes tanakam chachomim and rebiyosi rebiyuda is what's the kiddush? What's the money to affect the kiddushin by yud? So the chachomim holds it's the money that the father sold her for. So I when the father received, I don't know, the 10,000 rand at the beginning of her service. And later on, the husband, the master decides to do, or the master's son decides to do yud. The money for Kiddushin was, it turns out, was that 10,000. That's the Tanakam. That's the Chacham. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah holds, no. The money for the Kiddushin is the, as, is the Pruta, at least, left in her service. I, instead of giving her money, he's saying... I'll give you the next two years of your work. You owe me uh, 2,000 Rand for the next two years of service. You take that, accept that owed service as Kesef Kiddushin. And you're thinking of Yichud, not Yihud. Um, so, 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 so let's just go back to this, uh, this point in the Brides again. Tanya Yirich HaMoichar is beautiful. Hala Fakicho La'achev. If a man sells his daughter and then he goes and he marries her to another, accepts Kitushin for another person, according to Rabbi Yossi, he's mocking, he's setting up the master, and now, and she's married to the second one. Which makes sense because according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yudha, the Kitushin is from when they do yield based on the money left on the contract. The Chachomim and the Chachomim say, Sorry, yeah. if she wants to do Yud, he can still do Yud because it's the money from the beginning. So this would be, now he says, This is, This is similar to a man who comes to a woman and he says, Behold, you're married to me after 30 days. 
And then it's after 10 days, another man comes and says, Arad Mokodesh asleep. She's married to the first, to the second. <laughs> second, because the first one's Kiddushin only kicks in after 30 days, but she's already married to the second guy in the middle. She says, now, Mark. The second one says, the first one becomes invalid. Yeah. And discussed that she has to give the ring back. Marshall, now this is a similar halacha Marshall Aman, which opinion are we saying this is halacha to didn't the rabbis just say in this price if he wants to do yud he can do yud because again the rabbis hold the kesef kiddushin for yud is given at the beginning of the the contract. Of the contract, as he sells her. So that's the money for Kiddushin for when, he's, when she does Yud. So as soon as Yud's done, Lamach Freya, the money was paid a long time ago. So El Omar Abacha Brei Verova, Moshe Lerebi Yosi it must be the Halokha according to Rebbe Yosi Brebiura. Shitta, that's so obvious. According to Rebbe Yosi Brebiura, the Kiddushin money is only given much later. So he says, No, Mahu Tamer, what would you have thought? He didn't say after 30 days. I, if he says, here's your Kiddushin after 30 days, obviously any man who does Kiddushin in the interim would be married. But he's coming to say he doesn't have to say that. It would, even if he says, here's your Kiddushin in 30 days, it wouldn't be Kamash Malan that we don't say that. I, since he did not specify yield after X number of days, therefore it can take effect later on. But if maybe if he did specifically specify after us, in a case where he did specify after 30 days, maybe there the second guy could step in and it would be a, a good kiddushin. Okay, let's do one more sukya. Tanya Ilik, we learned in another b'risa. If a man sells his daughter in slavery, but on on condition that the master doesn't do yield, Rabbi Meir says it's a good it's a good marriage. Rabbi Yosi Bribura says no. The, the contract stands, but you ignore the condition because he's making a condition against what's written in the Torah. Anyone who um, makes a condition against what's written in the Torah, the contract stands, but you ignore the condition. Um, so, sorry, would Rebbe Meir really hold that the condition stands, that this is a valid contract and he can't do yield. But Rabbi Meir said, If a man proposes to a woman saying, you're married to me on condition that I don't owe you Sheikh Suswana, it's a good marriage, but it's not a bottle. But you ignore the condition to every Rabbi Meir. With the monetary aspects, the halacha stands. So now, um, the issue is we see that Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Meir seems to say both. Rebbe Meir seems to say, um, on the, in our price he seems to say, the contract, sta- the contract stands um, with the condition, and in the second one he says the contract stands, but the condition falls away. So which one is it? So Omar Tiske, Shani Hachat, Omar Krop. It's different here because the Pasuk says, Le'amor. It emphasizes that sometimes she can only be sold as a maidservant, I not for you. Um, we're going to leave it here, but the Gemara continues. Okay, so now we know what Rabbi Meir does with La'amo. What do the Rabbonim do with La'amo? Have a very, very good Shabbos.